You are listening to the African Campfire Stories podcast. The African Campfire Stories podcast is a podcast program that is dedicated to the telling of African history stories and events. Welcome. To bring African history to you, we have to read through a lot of details, a lot of facts, dates, names, and names of places. Should you pick up anything we get wrong, or if you just want to reach out to us, please use our website, www.africancampfirestories.com. You can also reach us on our social media pages on Twitter, African Campfire Stories, on Facebook, African Campfire Stories, and on Instagram, African Campfire Stories. Your assistance in this regard will help us to continue to give you quality programming. When creating our podcast episodes, we use works from historians and other writers as our sources. We are very grateful to these men and women. And now, what we know you've been waiting for. We have finally gotten to the African part of our Cold War Pawns series. To learn about the background of the Cold War, please check episode 2 to 9 of the African Campfire Stories podcast. Now, on to today's episode. This is episode 10, Cold War Pawns. Summary of Foreign Intervention in Africa In today's episode, we are going to cover the colonization of Africa, foreign intervention in Africa. We'll also talk a little about the fight for independence. But, and uh, this is a big but, you cannot cover these three things and do them justice with just one of our episodes. We therefore do not intend to give you a full history of colonization, foreign intervention and independence, but rather we will provide you with a summary hence the title of today's episode. In the future, we will cover these topics in full and give them a series of their own as we are doing with the Cold War Pawns series. For this episode, we just need to do enough of a discussion on these topics for the purpose of our Cold War topic. The Cold War in Africa was intertwined with the fight for and the gaining of independence by native Africans. When we get to cover each individual African country, starting from the next episode, we will get into some detail on the fight for independence. There will be more detailed discussions on independence later on in our Cold War Porn series. So please don't worry, the African Campfire Stories team has got you covered. So let's dive into today's leg of the story. Among the many significant events that happened after the Second World War was the spread of the bug of decolonization in Africa and Asia. The Western European countries of France, the Netherlands and Belgium, who owned colonies in Africa and Asia, had been defeated by the Nazis in the early years of the war. Being defeated in a war is not a generally recommended means of keeping your colonies. The war also brought another aspect to colonization. The participation in the war by the indigenous populations was achieved in many cases with the expectation that after the war was won, some form of self-government was going to be allowed to them. Note that this expectation was not always explicit. By that I mean that the colonists did not always say something like, if you fight for me, you'll be set free. You know what I mean? But you know, if I am going to fight for you and die for you, you better not be planning to keep me enslaved afterwards. I mean, at least that should be kind of like part of the deal. Because such situations generally bring about problems for the colonists. Britain did not get beaten in the Second World War But Britain also used their colonized natives to help in fighting the war. All the Western European colonists would find their positions in their colonies drastically weakened. 
One of the examples of this occurred in the British colony of India. In the years leading up to the Second World War, there had been significant unrest amongst the local Indian population. Their struggle was famously personified by Mahatma Gandhi. In Africa as well, the spirit of doing away with European colonization was at hand after the war. The first African country to gain independence was Ghana. The latter got her freedom in 1957. But this freedom struggle was going to be long and ugly. There were still African countries that were not free even in the 1990s. Eritrea only got her freedom in 1993. And that is still better than Hong Kong, who got their independence only in 1997. It was perhaps unfortunate that the fight for freedom and independence in Africa happened to take place in the middle of the Cold War between the Union of Soviet Socialist Republics and the USA. We have said in our previous episodes that the Cold War began soon after the Second World War ended in 1945. As each of the African countries obtained their freedom from colonization, the USSR and America were waiting in the wings to ensure that these countries fell within their sphere of influence. In some cases, the USA and the USSR got involved even before the African countries acquired their freedom. An example of this is the USA's buying of minerals from the Democratic Republic of the Congo during the Second World War. African countries were left in a dire state after independence. That is because the fight for freedom was very rough. Countries like Portugal hung on to their African colonies with force, and the counterforce applied by independence movements caused a lot of suffering and economic distress. Portugal was the first European country to colonize Africa back in 1415, but it was also the last European country to leave Africa. Portugal's colonies had many Portuguese people who would be left behind if Portugal were to leave Africa. These Portuguese people by this time had little to no links back in Europe. Something similar occurred in Algeria with the French, and in Kenya and Zimbabwe with the British. And we also should not forget about the Boer people in South Africa. Because of this fact, amongst other things, white against black conflict was brutal and long-lasting. As we will see later on when we discuss the individual African countries affected by the Cold War, after freedom, there followed more strife in the form of civil wars within African countries. Issues of tribalism made the strife even worse. The other factor that made the strife worse was the fact that some of the former European colonial countries also got involved in the civil wars that took place amongst the natives after independence. So what you ended up having is a situation of civil war amongst the African natives and the intervention of former colonial countries on one side of the civil wars. Sometimes you had a white population that was also fighting against the freedom movements. Usually, the former colonial countries supported the non-communist African freedom movements and parties. This was largely because in some cases, the former colonial powers still had economic interest in their former African colonies, and the communist-leaning African movements tended to declare that they were going to nationalize the minerals, factories, agriculture, and other economic concerns. There was also rampant corruption on the part of the newly minted African leaders, corruption that was sometimes abetted by the former colonial powers. If you're thinking, wow, this sounds very chaotic, you're correct. The last place to have comparable chaos as Africa was going through post-independence is the USSR after the Communist Revolution of 1917 which we discussed in episode 4 of this podcast. As you can see, freedom did not mean instant paradise for African countries. 
the hopes and optimism that the African natives had for the arrival of independence soon melted away in a blaze of confusion and chaos. Then, into that chaos, the Cold War would arrive in Africa. The Cold War would bring more confusion onto a situation that was already bad beyond description. As controversial as what I'm about to say might seem, there seems to be some truth in it if one looks at the facts in an objective manner. The Cold War period, as bad as it might have been for Africa, at least ensured that Africa was not ignored by the world at large. After World War II, the only countries in the world that would have been able to provide help to Africa were the two remaining superpowers, the USA and the USSR. Britain was broke, France was in chaos, the whole of Western Europe actually needed help from the Americans. Remember we covered the Marshall Plan in Episode 3? This was the plan that the USA concocted in order to help Europe back on its feet. In fact, it was the dire state of Europe that contributed a great deal in making decolonization happen when it did. China was also in a bad state. But even if China was rich, unlike nowadays, when every day in the news we hear about yet another Chinese investment in Africa, China was not big on Africa back then. Would America have helped the newly independent African countries if there was no Cold War? That is a difficult question to answer. As we saw in our special episode 1, pre-Cold War American investment in Africa was largely limited to Liberia. Was the USSR going to help Africa without the Cold War? Again, this question is too difficult to answer, but it is doubtful that the USSR would have helped. In episode 8, we saw that the USSR lost a lot during the Second World War. In fact, even during the war itself, the USSR depended on American financial and material help. But with the little that the USSR had after the war, she also was forced by circumstances to develop her own version of the Marshall Plan called the Molotov Plan in order to help the Eastern European nations that were under her sway. So it would have been difficult for the USSR to help elsewhere. The USSR did assist China, North Korea, North Vietnam and Cuba. However, the USSR did not have much of a history in dealing with Africa. Special episode 1 showed that the predecessor to the USSR, that is the Russian Empire, had had some dealings with Africa, but those were so minor that they're actually negligible. Besides, the one thing the USSR had in abundance after the war were weapons. Some of their help to the above-mentioned countries was military in nature. The Cold War thus ensured that during the independence process, Africa had available two superpowers that were fighting for world dominance. And these superpowers, because of their insecurity and mutual paranoia for each other, could be used by African leaders. As you will see later on in our series, a lot of times, African leaders used the USA or the USSR for their own corrupt and nefarious reasons. It is very possible that the newly independent African countries would have found themselves shunned by the rest of the world as they battled to establish themselves as independent entities after colonization. Their former colonial masters had been unceremoniously removed. These colonial masters were also still interfering in African affairs, usually in the negative sense. But it doesn't help to make theoretical suppositions about what would have happened to African countries had the Cold War not occurred. The fact of the matter is that there was a Cold War, and the not-so-tender attentions of either the USA or the USSR could hardly be escaped. But into the chaos 
Cuba and China also intervened in Africa during the Cold War, on the side of communism, of course. Interestingly enough, China being involved on the side of communism does not mean that China was on the side of the USSR. After the death of USSR leader Joseph Stalin, relations between China and the USSR were not good at all times. As our previous episodes of the Cold War Pawns series show, specifically episode 7, China and the USSR, though both were communist, did not always get along. So in the end, you had three broad issues occurring all at around the same time. The Cold War, with its capitalism versus communism focus, tribalism amongst the African natives, the African independence movements versus each other, and the native governments that resulted from those independence movements versus their former colonial masters. Some authors split the significant post-Second World War interventions in Africa by foreign countries into two categories. First, the period from 1956 to 1975, dubbed as the decolonization period. Second, the period between 1945 and 1991, which is the Cold War period. Whatever the categories, the point is that there was an accidental and confused relationship between many events of historical importance in Africa, all of which were occurring around more or less the same time. The decolonization period in Africa and the involvement in Africa of the USSR and the USA during the Cold War overlaps, and it can thus be very tricky to disentangle all these events from each other. It's these overlapping periods and events that we will be tackling from now on in our Cold War Pawns series. A lot will be going on at the same time, and sometimes in many places. This is why we have decided to adopt the approach of discussing one African country at a time. And those countries will be the Democratic Republic of the Congo, Angola, South Africa, Eritrea, Ethiopia, Egypt, and a few others with guest appearances by China and Cuba. Not that this approach will remove the potential confusion altogether, but at least it will impose some structure onto this chaos. The DRC will come first on the very next episode. For the rest of this episode, we will look at a quick summary of foreign intervention in Africa before the Cold War began. The colonization of Africa, at least the form that it was in at the start of the Cold War, truly began in the late 1800s. We've stated above that Portugal acquired its first colony in 1415. But the 1800s are considered by historians to be the beginning of a more rampant, a more rapacious and more organized form of colonization. That this colonization process started in the late 1800s is no accident. Between the years of 1884 and 1885, the notorious Berlin Conference was held in Berlin, then as now the capital of Germany. Thirteen European countries were represented in this conference. Also in attendance was the USA. This is somewhat surprising because the USA saw herself as being for the independence and freedom of nations and she was proud of being different from what she considered to be the old world European powers. In episode 3, we discussed the feelings of America's founding fathers on this matter. More understandably, the usual suspects were in attendance, that is, France, the United Kingdom, the Ottoman Empire, that is essentially modern-day Turkey, Portugal, the Netherlands, 
and Spain. It was instructive that Germany hosted this meeting. We will go into German colonization attempts in Africa on future programs. But for now it's important to note that Germany as a country had only just been formed in 1871. And she couldn't wait to get on board with what was fast becoming a European great power rite of passage, colonization. The Berlin Conference had many objectives. But the outcome of the conference that interests us is that this conference is generally regarded as the launch pad for the process that historians call the scramble for Africa. This process is also known as the new imperialism or simply the conquest of Africa. The powers that attended the conference cut up and shared Africa between themselves. The period after the conference marked a point after which European countries really and truly started honing in on the colonization of the African interior. With the exception of South Africa, North Africa and East Africa, up until that time, European countries had generally kept to the coasts in Africa. Their collective colonization of Africa had been limited up until this point. The Berlin Conference was staggeringly successful. In the 1870s, only about 10% of the African continent was under European colonization. But by the dawn of the 20th century, about 90% of Africa was colonized. The conference helped the European powers to trade, to deal and to negotiate with one another on how to split up the African continent amongst themselves in a peaceful way. This is probably the only time in European history that so much territorial give or take was done without the European countries fighting each other. What was left now was the actual occupation of Africa. This is all the time we have for today. This is the end of today's episode of our Cold War Pawns series. On the next episode, we will begin our journey into the DRC. We will set out the scenery. We will provide some history of the DRC. We will talk about their struggle for freedom. And we will talk about their internal beefs after they got their independence. Stay tuned. See you next time.